Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. We remember that as he came into the, into the temple, that they were buying and selling. These were people that just wanted to be right with God. That's all they wanted. The Bible tells us they would come from all over. We remember in the book of Acts, there was a, a fella that was riding through the desert. An Ethiopian eunuch that had came to Jerusalem to worship. And we remember that Philip was told by God. Philip had a great ministry going up in Samaria. The Lord spoke to him and said, go down to the desert. Now it's interesting, that's all God told Philip about going down to the desert. He said, you just go down to the desert. So Philip goes down to the desert. And as he's down in the desert, he sees a chariot going through. And the Lord spoke to him and said, go join yourself to that chariot. And so Philip, the Bible tells us, ran. And he ran, and, and the guy, as he runs up alongside this guy, here's a guy reading the, a scroll, right in his chariot. I don't know how he could do that. They probably didn't have very good shock absorbers in those days, but he was reading along. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and he began to share with him. He says, is this person speaking of himself as he was reading out of Isaiah, this Ethiopian eunuch said, or is he speaking of another? And the Bible says that Philip reasoned with him from the scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. The man believed with his heart and he was baptized when they came to some water. Now I look at that and I see how God does things in so many unusual and beautiful ways. How he will reach out, he will do things in ways that we don't understand. God has a way of reaching out to you in your lost condition. He knows right where you're at. And even though we may not always understand how God does everything, friends, He does. You see, we find here that He did not agree, Joseph of Arimathea did not agree with the way that they had treated Jesus. The way that they had treated Jesus was terrible. But you see, Jesus didn't come to please Himself. He came to die for our sins. And so He says here that Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who is himself waiting for the kingdom of God. You know, waiting for the kingdom of God. I believe that Joseph of Arimathea, probably very much like the people from the east, knew that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to be born. Just as the kings of the east came and gave their gifts to a baby, figuring that the average king usually takes his throne somewhere around 30 years old, they saw a star in the east, they said, this must be it. This is what must have been spoken of by, by the prophets of the Old Testament that were around Israel, that there would be somebody that would come to be the prince. And the Bible says that it would be on the exact day Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, 32 AD, exactly on schedule. I believe Joseph of Arimathea probably knew that. Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how off I would gather you, but, but it's been hid from your eyes. It wasn't that the information wasn't there. It was that they didn't want to see it. Friends, I'm convinced in this world today, if you don't want to see God's hand, you won't see it. You know, there are those that see God's... You know, it's uh, like whatever you train your eyes for. Talked a little bit about this before, but I've talked to missionaries that were down in the jungle, and they talk about having bush eyes. Now, I'm not talking about George Bush eyes. 
I'm talking about bush eyes. You get to see things that other people don't see. In other words, you'll be going through the jungle. And they'll stop you and they'll see a snake wrapped around a branch. You don't see it because you don't know what you're looking for. I probably could say this is probably any way in any profession that any of us have. Maybe you're a carpenter and you know shoddy work when you see it. You walk in and somebody cut the two by four too short. and So they, they wedged a little block of wood up on the top and you can immediately spot it. Why? Because you have carpenter eyes. Well, you know, there are those that have Holy Spirit eyes. And I believe when you have your eyes tuned up by the Holy Spirit, you can begin to see things in the Spirit that you would normally not ever see. And I believe Joseph of Arimathea because he was looking for the kingdom of God. I think that's extremely important in the Bible because it tells me that other people within the Sanhedrin knew that this was about the time in which Messiah was to come. And about the time Messiah was to come, here's a guy that comes on the world scene who can heal people, have their eyes grow back, uh, uh, leprosy healed, uh, multiply loaves and fishes at exactly the right time in which Messiah, according to Nehemiah, would come. It's funny that the people of the East knew more than the people of God. Unfortunately, that's sometimes the case, friends. And so it says that Joseph of Arimathea was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. And coming and taking courage, it says he went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. It's interesting that taking courage. That's where, you know, God just kind of does something in your life where you say, Okay, God, I realize something's going to have to happen here. And God may be calling you to do it. Joseph of Arimathea, you know, maybe he thought that he was just kind of doing a good deed. But you know what? This is all what God wanted. Friends, I I am pretty much convinced as I read the Bible, and as I get a little older in my life, I look and I realize not as much happens to us by accident as we think. You say, you mean, Mike, even these rough things that are going on in my life right now, this discomfort that I go through, maybe this unhappiness that I go through, maybe not having a husband or a wife, or maybe not having kids, or maybe having a, a, a hard marriage or whatever, do you realize that God is the God of everything? And friends, a God is bigger than anything going on in your life. And do you realize that sometimes God allows... I'm not saying He does it to us, but I'm saying God allows those things to happen to us so that He can work out His kingdom through our lives. Imagine if God never allowed us to have pain or suffering as His kids. Just for a thought, for a minute. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? We're all going, yeah, I like that, yeah. You know, I pray for something. God, let me win the lottery. Well, there it is, okay. But you think about it a minute. What would be the ultimate result of it? We'd be spoiled. We would be rotten. We couldn't relate with anybody that goes through anything because we're a king's kid. We have air tinted glass. Hey, too bad about you. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves being separated more and more and more from the very people that God has sent us to minister to. The Bible tells us about Jesus and concerning Jesus. He was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow. He understands what we all go through. And because of that, that allows us then, I think, friends, as we go through pain and sorrow, to relate with other people. Friends, you're going to go through it. I'd like to say, just accept Jesus, and you're not going to have anything go wrong. In fact, I, I had talked to uh, one of the guys that called in on every minute and this. And he said, you know, before I accepted Christ, things went well. Now that I, since I accepted Christ, it's like there's a war going on inside of me. I said, welcome to the family of God, because that's what it is. 
And it isn't until we become born again do we realize how contrary our flesh and oftentimes our thoughts are from what the Spirit of God wants. But it gets back again to that place where we yield our heart to God and God has and does what He does for us. It says taking courage. Friends, some of you this morning, maybe God is calling you to take courage. Maybe do what you know that you need to do. Maybe stand up to those who ridicule you or those uh, and stand up to them in Jesus' name, in love, and say, hey, listen. You know, they came asking, he came asking, you might say, the governor of the area, Pilate, for the body of Jesus. It said taking courage to do that. Why was it taking courage? Well, probably for a couple of reasons. First of all, taking courage, asking for the body of Jesus, to even go and stand before Pilate. That was pretty big. To go and stand for that, not knowing what Pilate would do. He Think about it a minute. He might say, oh, you're one of them too. Hey, get this guy, crucify him too. Could have done it. Also, he took courage because he had to step out of his comfort zone with the other Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Sanhedrin and say, I would like the body of Jesus. I'm looking for the kingdom of God. You see, he took a chance on being rejected by his friends because he knew that Jesus was a righteous man. You see, friends, there, he had to lay his relationships on the line sometimes for the, for his love for God. Well, he tells us here. He asked for the body of Jesus. Of course, Pilate hearing the body of Jesus would indicate that he was dead. And so Pilate marveled in verse 44 that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. And when he had found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. It says that he was marveled that Jesus was already dead because people that were crucified in those days could stay alive for days. Um, and here Jesus was crucified at 3 and by, uh, by, three, uh, by 9 o'clock in the morning, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he was dead. And they, he, he marveled at that. Well, probably because Jesus could have lost so much blood from the beating uh, when he was scourged 39 times. Well, they say 39 times. We don't know how many times he was scourged. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew tradition was to scourge somebody 39 times, 40 times minus one for mercy. Thank you. Um, but uh, most people didn't survive the scourging. We don't know how many times Jesus could have been beat by the Romans. Because they didn't have the 39 or 40 minus 1 law. Uh, they usually, and many times, would beat somebody to death. And, of course, with the little sharp shards of glass and bone and lead on the end of a scourge, it would just literally rip the skin right off you. They said in the making of the movie Jesus, the actor that portrayed Jesus had a steel plate on his back as they were actually scourging him. And one of the scourges wrapped around on the other side of the steel plate on his back. And it, he said that it ripped a big chunk out of him on just one hit. It ripped a big chunk out of his chest because it wrapped around him when they were beating him on his back. Most people never survived the scourging. And the idea of the scourging is that they would beat on you. You would confess whatever you did to get them to stop beating on you because certainly even dying would be better than being whipped to death and having being literally flailed alive so you would confess whatever but because Jesus didn't have anything to confess they just kept beating on him until probably he was near death the bible tells us that he was so weak that we remember a man named Simon of Cyrene was commissioned by the romans to carry his cross because Jesus was out of strength he could know he kept falling under the weight of the cross 
Now, that's probably one of the reasons why Jesus only lasted six hours on the cross instead of maybe as many as six days. Now, it tells us here that Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And so he double-checked it with the centurion to make sure that he was really dead. Friends, centurions were very, very skilled people, and they knew somebody was dead. Now, here's the reason why this is important, is because people say sometimes, well, Jesus wasn't really dead. He just passed out. Even though he had spikes in his hands and a spear chucked in his side and blood and water ran out of him, uh, he was just, you know, kind of comatose for a little bit. And that's why three days later, when he laid in the cool tomb, Jesus got up, like Frankenstein probably, rolled this big stone back and came out and was resuscitated. Well, the centurion, friends, knew what it was like and what death was like. And certainly, when questioned by Pilate, there is no centurion in the world that would have lied to the governor of the land, knowing that he would have faced crucifixion if he was caught lying to the governor. And so, he said, when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Verse 46. Then he brought fine linen, Joseph of Arimathea did, took him down, Jesus down, wrapped him in linen, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone against the tomb. The Bible said in which no one else had ever been laid in. And so we find that this tomb probably originally intended for probably Joseph of Arimathea's family. Rather than that, he gave Jesus his tomb. Verse 47. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of, of Josie, observed where uh, he was laid. And so it tells us here that Jesus was laid in the tomb. Friends, when I read this, that he was laid in the tomb, friends, he died so that all your sins could be forgiven. Where did those, all those sins go? In the grave, in the tomb. Now you think about that for a minute. All the things you've done wrong in the tomb, they're dead. Now, the good news is, is our sins are forgiven. The greatest news is we serve a risen Savior. Friends, Jesus did not stay in that tomb. All the things wrong you have done, when we look back at our lives and we have the regrets, the wish you would have, the we look at the cross. This reason Christ died. But when we look ahead, we look at a risen Savior, one who leads us, the Bible says, into the places where he wants us to be so that we would minister for him. Friends, every one of you have a ministry, especially for you that have kids. I want to encourage you, moms and dads, be the best mom and dad you can for your kids. Be their form. Find out what they're about. Involve your life with theirs. Don't just because you say, well, I'm a fisherman kid, you're going to be a fisherman. Hey, if your kid's into dirt bikes, then go out there and watch them ride their dirt bike. What I'm saying is that be involved with your kids. Love your children. The Bible tells us that Jesus inconvenienced his life for us. Friends, real love allows us to inconvenience our life for others. And friends, oftentimes we get selfish and we get in our own thing. Listen, I would encourage you. Love requires us to give. And in a selfish, self-centered society that we have today, that's almost an unheard thing. But I believe that we as Christians should be the most loving, most kind, most caring, most forgiving people that there is. And I would encourage you to do that. Let God remind you how much He loves you. 
Considering yourself, how would you want somebody to treat you if you were wrong? How would you want somebody to deal with you if you were dealt with? How would you want somebody to love you? Friends, when we begin to look at that, it changes the way we look at life. And as we look at this today, a man named Joseph of Arimathea, not part of the gang that was out to destroy Jesus, but one who took courage and stood up to them, went in and asked for the body of of Jesus, said, hey, I want to make a difference. Friends, I want to encourage you to make a difference as well. We serve a risen Savior. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the reason why he did that is because he loved you. He inconvenienced himself for you because he loved you. And so if you find in your life people, children, husbands, wives, that try your patience beyond comprehension, and you would rather kill them than forgive them, remember this. God loves you and says, reach out to them. Oftentimes you'll find that inconvenience in your life, that thing that seems to be so bad, is the very thing in which God uses to keep us in tune with other people's hearts so that we can minister to them. It's interesting that Jesus was not born in an immaculate palace. It's amazing to me that Jesus didn't stride around Jerusalem on a white horse and a brand new chariot with inside AM, FM cassette deck, CD player. Or the latest iPod. But Jesus came, born in a lonely mind. Why? To relate with you and me. Friends, I want to encourage you. If you go into that and you see people that are struggling, remember yourself. Remember what a difference one person makes. In fact, if you want to do a study sometimes in the entirety of the Bible, look at it sometimes, what difference one person made. In situations, in circumstances, whether you look in the Old Testament or the New, the difference one person makes. Be that one person and let God bless you because it's going to touch other people's lives. This morning, you think about it for a minute and you think, you know what? I'm not right with God. I have lied. I have stolen. I have cheated. I'm not right with God. I don't. I'm an enemy of God. Oh, I want to tell people that God's my big buddy upstairs, but I know I don't have a relationship. The Bible says by simply asking God to forgive you, he will. And that's what we call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says those that do will be saved. And friends, what God offers you today is salvation. And I would like to invite you, if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, you can pray and say, Lord, I want to be one of these givers. I want to be one that's instead of always on the take, I want to be somebody that's on the give. Lord, as you put into my life, I will give to others. And Lord, in spite of the things in my life that are rough, that don't work right, My heart's sometimes broken. I'm going to continue to reach out to people and love them, just like you did, in spite of you dying on the cross, which I know you, Jesus said it like this in the garden. He said, Father, if there's any other way man can be saved, let this cup pass from me, speaking of the cross. And Jesus died on the cross. He laid his will down to see others advanced. May we walk in our Father's footsteps. May we learn from him. And this morning, if you've never come to Christ... Your whole life is all about yourself. I just All I care about is serving me. I would just invite you to pray and let the Lord change your life this morning. It begins in a prayer. He'll show you the rest of your life. His divine purpose for you. And I would just invite you, if you've never prayed, pray and let the Lord change your life. We're going to pray right now. And if you'd like to do that, you'd say, yeah, I want God to do something new in my life. I'm tired of the life I've lived. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell. 
You see, the Bible says someday we're going to pay for our, our sins if we don't get right with God. And so, not only in this life do you pay the price, but you also pay in eternity, in eternal separation. The Bible says where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, boy, I don't want to see anybody go there. That's why the Bible says to pray for your enemies. Do you know your worst enemy could be your best friend if the Holy Spirit touched their life? And so, if you, you want to say, okay, Lord, I want my life to change, we're going to pray right now, and you can ask God to change your destiny eternally. Let's pray. Father... I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life this morning. Lord, I don't want to live in my life the way I've lived it. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And your blood covered my sins. So now I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I can walk with you each day and I'll have boldness and courage in my life to live for you. I thank you for eternal life that I don't have to be scared about dying anymore. But from this day forward, my name is written in your book of life. And so now I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. Forgive all of my sins. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time. It's